we all we take a turn here with on the elder board to to bring a message. And when Pastor Steve asked me, you know, I've been really praying a lot. You know, when we have kids that are of our age that are dating, that are you know uh, setting a foundation maybe for obviously the marriage and what it should look like and. And, you know, as I was praying, like, God, what am I going to speak on? You know, this is everybody's um, thing when, when, when you're doing this. Like, what, what do we need to hear? And, and I thought to myself, you know, it's Valentine's Day. What about love? You know, because God is love, you know. And, and so I wanted to kind of talk, base my, my sermon is on, you know, Corinthians, you know, first Corinthians, the love chapter. We're going to go into Ephesians some, and that'll, that just tells how wives should treat their husbands, how husbands should treat their wives. It's not anything I made up. I'm going to be reading those to you. So don't throw daggers at me up here. I felt like, you know, when I was reading it, I'm like, Oh no, this isn't really for Rob. This is for me too. And, um, and anyone listening out there. Um, but, you know, God doesn't, I just want to say, God doesn't keep a record of wrongs. We're going to open things up with that, first of all. Because if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, if I would have known what I knew when I was 20 and married the first time, guess what? We all make mistakes, but guess what? It's under the blood. We're not taking those things back, right? So we need to be in that mindset today, where we are today, where we're moving forward. And, and if you have kids that are this age and this age, it happens fast. So I'd be praying for their spouses when they're little right now. Be praying that in their life and over their life. Um, when we had Pastor Kurt and Eileen here, you know, they had, and we taught youth group for years, you know, the kids, we did a project with them that they would, is this too loud? That's a little bit, it's echoing a little bit here. Um, we did a project with the kids that they would write down when they were like 12 years old, they would write a list of what they wanted in a husband, what that marriage was supposed to look like. And it was obviously godly principles. And I told my kids, you know, Hannah's married, and thank God, boy, she, she has a, a guy that just loves her and adores her. And I thank God for that because, you know what, <laughs> that warms a mama's heart <laughs> when I don't have to worry, like, you know, what, what goes on because it's so bizarre. I mean, Annette and I are kind of in the same realm. She's a little bit above me yet, you know, on the ages of the kids. Or, but I'll tell you, it's weird to let your kids go. It's definitely a weird feeling. So if you have kids in that middle age, start praying for them. If you haven't already, pray for their spouses. Pray that, that godly foundation because it, it will come. And, um, and God hears that. So just a little background on that, um, where we're going. I'm going to spit this gum out though real quick here because, okay, I want to think I'm a multitasker when I had little kids, but nowadays. I'm not sure. Things are slowing down. <laughs> All right. So the te- there's four things that can that will and change your marriage, um, and we're going to work on those as we get going here. Um, like I said, we're going to indulge in First Corinthians 13. Um, many of you have been married for years, so we're going to open this up. We're going to have everybody that if you've been married. Over 30 years, stand up. Over 30 years. Okay. Yes, give them a round of applause. All right. All right. 35. Standing up. 35. Everybody still 35? 40. 45. 50. Yay! Let's give Earl and Doreen a hand. How many years? How many years? 61. Yeah! Good. All right. Here's a little. Can you give that to them, Nate? Give that to Doreen and them. That's just a fun little opener. I I was, um, you know, listening to some sermons and, and um, over the past week and just praying and what God wanted to share, but... That's a testimony. That's a testimony. When you can see some of these, you know, folks that have been married a long time, and it hasn't been a, a, an easy road. I'm sure they've had things in their life 
But without that firm foundation of God, guess what? We can't overcome those things. You can give them out. Um, so you, we won't overcome those things without God. So how many times do we have um, those idiot lights on our car, car dash, it says low tire. It's getting cold weather. Mine's on almost every day and for about five minutes, and then it goes off, thank God. Um, but how many times do we have those on our car? You know, they light up and illuminate low fuel. How many do you, I always get that. <laughs> Rob always yells at me. He said, don't let that go be below a quarter of a tank, you know. But um, he don't know when I'm at work and I see the low fuel. I'm like, I can get to the next stop and then I'll get gas. Um, but, you know, sometimes those, are, those lights illuminate to warn us, to warn us. And sometimes, you know, in our marriage, you know, there's things in our marriage that, that you know what, it didn't just happen overnight that those lights get illuminated. You know, you may be here today, you might be online, you may be saying, you know what, my marriage is in the, on the rocks, you know what, I, I'm running on fumes. You may be that person that you're on low E and you didn't pay attention and now we're empty. You know, and that's, that's the thing, you know, you're empty and now it's like, okay, throw in the towel. How many of us have been there? There has been times we've been there. Um, well, I'm not standing here telling you that mine's been rosy either, but um, I just wanted to, you know, we need to heed to those warning signs in our marriage. When they are rocky, when they are not good, don't wait till that warning light's red and flashing that you're out of gas, that you're out of steam, that you're out of hope. Um, so we want to stay out of that red zone. We want to, we want to, um, you know, um, you know, we want to get back to our, our basic principles. Um, so God not only told us how to have a good marriage in this world, but he's given us the power to enact the principles he reveals in Scripture. So we're going to talk to, about that a little bit. Um, first of all, I just want to, we're just going to go over like the no-brainer principles that God, this is God. Um, he invented marriage, right? Amen. So we're going to go right down through here, and we're going to lay the foundation. It's his idea. It's not for us to change it or to alter it. It's to add, or, and we're not to alter it, to add or subtract from it, but it's for us to do it the way that he has laid it out in Scripture. And, of course, our culture today, there's no question that there's an attack on the family. What we used to call traditional marriage is called biblical marriage. That's going back to the root of everything right here as we talk about this. Marriage between a man and a woman. There are many people challenging the institution of it, and of course there are people that want to alter it. You know, I mean, you see this in society. It's rampant. It's, there's no other... We shouldn't have to validate it. We shouldn't have to do anything because it's God's word. <laughs> like he was at the beginning. He is and he is still. So I think, you know, we need to get back to the basics, back to the basics of what God says here um, instead of altering it. The question being, am I being the best husband or the best wife I could possibly be? You know, you may sit there and ask yourself that this morning. Maybe you're not married. It's okay. God has a plan and a timing for someone to come into your life. Um, that, that is true, too. But sometimes marriage isn't finding the right person, which I like how this author illustrated that. He said it's not about finding the right person as much as it is being the right person. Being the right person. Being conformed to the things of Christ. Um, so we want to focus our attention on a strong and happy marriage. As an, a result, we get that from being obedient to God, right? So in his word, so if we're obedient to that, all things, he says, will be added to us. He, he, and, um, but, you know, the world has such a distorted look. It's a take-it-or-leave-it marriage, you know. When things get rough, you know what? People say, hmm, I can find better elsewhere. You know, people don't fight, don't, don't go back to the root of what God has put together. Let no man separate. Um, but there's hope. I just want to say there's hope in that. Um, um, sometimes, you know, obviously we got we to gotta get back to the root of God and not our culture to dictate how your marriage should look. If we looked at how marriage should look in the world, that's pretty... 
That's heading for a train wreck, you know. But if we look at the biblical aspect of marriage, what it is for a wife to submit, what, a, what it is for a husband um, to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And I'm not sure what that looks like sometimes. I mean, because sometimes we are, you know, get at each other's throat. You know how that is. Um, but as we go along here, this isn't to depict anybody's marriage. This isn't to depict what you're not doing or he's not doing. This is what God says. And, uh, but I just want to encourage you, though, if you're in that rocky place, I want you to have an open mind as we go through that, that God can change any situation. It doesn't matter how hard. It doesn't matter how long you've been in that miry clay. He can lift you out of it. But you have to have that mindset to want to change. We have to change. And it comes within. You can't do it on your own. Um, so um, so we're going to look at, you know, this. I, I heard this pastor, I, was, I listened to a bunch of teachings, and he said, you know, a lot of uh, couples come to church for counsel. And um, a lot of times, you know, it's the last-ditch effort. They come and they say, you know what, we're throwing in the towel if they can't help us. But a lot of people forget it's not the pastor that's going to, he's going to guide you and direct you. It's you moving in the principles of God. You know, and, and a lot of times this pastor, he said, okay, the first thing I ask him, because usually when they come to me, this pastor illustrated in this teaching, he said, you know what, they come to me when they're dead on arrival. They're DOA when they get here. He goes, because they didn't heed to the warning light that I gave them in the beginning, where now they're hopeless. Now they're like, no, I can't make this work. Um, often, um, you know, he starts out saying, he always asks three questions, and I'm going to read these because I thought they were really key. When he, he goes, I get these counseling, you know, of these couples, and he always asks them, he starts with these three questions. He said, I often would start with the question, are you both Christians? And the answer was always, oh, yes, yes, we love the Lord. So much, okay, then great. Do you both believe in the Bible? Do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? Yes, we read the Bible every night. And then he goes to say, and then um, are you willing to do what the Bible says, even if you find it difficult? Don't get a response out of that one. That one was a long pause. And he says, he said, the thing is, as he goes, what are you going to do when the Bible tells us to do the right thing? What's your goal here? Because if they don't know God and don't want to do the things of God, then, then they've already called it quits. They've already called it quits before they even met with him. Um, but... Um, we go back here. The Bible tells us how to do it right. Remember when he pointed out when Jesus was set up by the Pharisees and then he asked him the question, is it right for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? He didn't deal with that. He talked about the original concept of the design of marriage, saying that God brought a man and a woman together for, for this cause. Shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife? And two shall become one flesh. You know, so many times, you know, when you're married, that's, that's, that's a, a common dialogue, you know, that the pastor uses, you know, when they're marrying somebody, because that's God's commandment. Leaving and cleaving. When you leave your mother, you cleave to your husband or, or wife, um, and you leave all other relationships. You leave them behind. But you're still a son or daughter. You still have brothers and sisters, and it's not saying leave your family. It's saying that your spouse should be your best friend. Now, once you're married, you have a new family. A new family has begun. You know, and that's the thing. There's a primary allegiance and commitment must be to your spouse. Should be your best friend and leaving them is cleaving, not just stuck together. But holding on to one another to lay this foundation right. If you do, your marriage will stand the test of time more than the standard, and it will flourish. Um, we're going to talk just briefly a couple of things here. You know, if you don't have a firm foundation, you know, like the three little pigs, if Rob puts those up here, 
um, the three little pigs, you know, if you don't have that firm foundation, you know, of the, the brick sticks and mortar, and something comes in and blows your house down, whether it be adultery, pornography, lying, cheating, stealing, I don't know. Whatever can come between you and cause separation, if you do not have a firm foundation, this is what's going to happen. This is your marriage illustration here, the, the house that's falling down because you don't have the foundation of Christ in that marriage. And the brick house, it stands the test of time, right? So we all know that analogy. So as we're reading along, I just wanted to put that in your mind um, that that brick and, and mortar is the foundation of Christ in your marriage. If you're not married yet, good news. Guess what? You have time to figure it out. You have time to figure it out. Um, and, and if you're having problems with the foundation, guess what? Get rid of it. Relay it. You know, start over. Start over. You know, um, break it apart. Relay that foundation. You know, that's where you have to start. Um, but whatever situation that if you're in and you don't have that foundation or it's rocky or it's in shambles, um, you know, Seek out the church. You know, there's elders here. There's a pastor here that cares for you, that cares for your family. And um, so, so reach out to, to someone um, if, if, if you need. Um, so another thing we're going to talk about here is a lot of people walk away. You know, they walk away. When their foundation is shaken, they walk away. And it's easier to do that. It's easier just to walk away and say, you know what, I don't want to deal with that. You know, um, but, you know, a lot of times people in, in the church, out of the church, they always say, well, you know, we have irreconcilable differences. You ever hear that? Irreconcilable differences. So I looked up irreconcilable differences. Um, and the thing is, is I wanted to, wait, where's my definition here? I had it written on my paper. I thought it was on that one. Um, just give me one second. Okay. Um, okay, it says, a couple disagrees on such... I can't even read my writing. A <laughs> couple disagrees on such a level that they can no longer sustain marriage. That's what irreconcilable difference is when I looked up the vocabulary on that. Um, but a lot of times people say, I have, you know... We all have differences. You know, Rob is a perfectionist. I'm fly by the seat of my pants. I, I mean, that's just the way it is. He likes to watch TV. I could care less about TV. I don't even know. Ask my kids will be like, I never even heard of that. Like, they're asking me stuff, and I, don't, I have no clue. Ask Isaac, do I watch TVs? No, HGTV. I could tell you how to remodel your whole house. That's about it. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, but you see, we have differences, and we'll always have differences. Um, think about what attracted you to your spouse. What attracted you to them? Rob, do you want to put that picture up? What attracted, Rob? <laughs> oh, I just thought this was kind of... So what attracted? First, probably, um, they were different than you, right? They were different than you. Um, that's going way back. <laughs> Um, but, um, but the thing is, is like maybe one of them was reserved. One of them was outgoing. That was a little bit of us, but I think Rob got to be really outgoing after he came to all my sporting events and brought his 87 year old grandpa jumping over snowbanks to get to the gym. Um, yeah, so it, it, uh, it was kind of an exciting time, um, as you look back at that. Um, opposites really do attract. You know, and that's the thing. What attracted you to one another back then? You know, there was something that you remember deep down about that person. Their smile. Maybe you remember, you know, they're fun. They're loving. They know the Lord. I mean, you know, what attracted you to them? You know, I think sometimes um, we need to embrace everyone's differences. Instead of saying, oh, they do it this way and they don't do it my way. It's okay. It's okay to be different. God has put you together to complement the things that you 
they are, right? If you went back to that old love language, many of you did that years ago, the love language. There's five love languages, and Rob's first two were my last two, and my first one was his third one, you know? But we complement each other by him being different to help me bring me up from those things that I'm strong in, and I'm on the same way. I'm strong in things that he's not. He's weak in, and that's what God orchestrated. It, you know, and that's the thing. You have to embrace the differences because opposites do attract. You know, celebrate it. You know, um, you can't get in your mind that the source of conflict is all. If you're in that mindset today and you're thinking, well, you know, they do this, they do this, they do this. Well, that's, you know, pull the log out of your own eye. You know, I mean, we all have issues. We all fall short of the glory of God. We are not there and we are not sinless and we never will be. Um, so, so embrace each other. Embrace the differences that we have. And, and those could be turned around for things of the kingdom, things of good. You know, if we'll just embrace it. If we just embrace it. Um, all right. So let me, hold on. Let me turn this page and put these specs on here. Okay. Um, we need to each do our part. You know, wives, we need to, to you know, do our part as well. Um, God has called us to do, to shape our marriage. I don't know. Some people might have a marriage that's great. That's all great. Some people might have a marriage that's, that's, that's rocky right now. Sometimes, you know, you, we portray, you know, that our exterior looks good. But inside, are you dying? Are you dying? Are you doing sinful things that don't glorify God? Like, that's on the exterior, but we need to look what's inside, how we're going to change those things and do what God says. Um, but if in his word we find hope, hope is for a hurting marriage, hope for even a failed marriage. Remember, hope is the acronym HOPE, holding on with patient expectation, holding on. You know, they did a study, and it says in here, you know, they did a study, which I thought it was kind of amazing to see that people that did not give up in a marital problem but worked through it and held on to God and to hope, they made it through those rocky times. That You know, um, but there's another analogy here they overcome those things. Winston Churchill, this is a quote from, from him. It says, in the midst of World War II, when London was being bombarded by the Nazis, he made a statement. And this is a quote. It said, he said, victory is not won by evacuation. And the same is true of marriage. Now, before we get you know, into these scriptures, we're going to read through here because it, it gets into each other. Um, so we're going to read some principles here um, that the the will of God, um, what the will of God is. Um, so we're going to start in, hold on a second here and off. Um, it's Ephesians 5. Um, should I find it here on my little markers? Okay. Well, maybe. Let's see. I think it's Ephesians 5. No. Hold on. It's Ephesians 5.18. This is the first Biblical principle that God says to set that foundation. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. So if we, so he's not saying, uh, he's saying, be saturated, be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, just as Lisa said before, that we are continually being filled by the Spirit, that's the power that comes within. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit moving. That's when things change. That's when things change, when we are filled with that Spirit continually. Um, so if we're being filled with with 
that spirit continually, things are on our side because God's moving in that. That's the power to, to overcome those things that look bleak and look, look uh, you know, poor to us on the outside. Um, okay, wait a minute here. Okay, so when we talk about marriage, well, sometimes, you know, it goes right into Ephesians um, 5.22.33, which we're going to touch on some of that. But it does say, you know, husbands, obviously the roles of a husband and a wife. Um, it talks about um, husbands, you know, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And, and wives, submit to your husbands. Um, you know, when we talk, when we get into that, um, but we're told, both spouses are told that we need the power of the Spirit that brings, so the first point, to have a successful marriage filled with the Spirit. You need to be Spirit-filled. Thing is, is just going back to a couple little principles we've all heard is not having an unyoked partner marriage. That means a believer on believer. Um, and, and, you know, and, and honestly... Um, I can think of people that aren't, and they go to church and, and they have made their marriage better and better and better. That's because they, I think, continually seek the Lord and want to be filled um, by the Spirit, and they've given their life to Christ in their marriage. Um, so we need the Holy Spirit to have successful marriage and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, to be filled with the Spirit, the verb in the Greek is imperative um, it's not a suggestion, it's a commandment. He doesn't say, well, maybe if you're filled with the Spirit, he commands you to be filled with the Spirit. So it's not a, it's actually kind of a, a choice, but it's a no choice. I mean, it's a command, we're to do it. Um, many of us, maybe we're not there. Maybe, I don't know where you're at today in your marriage. I'm, I mean, I know sometimes I, I look back and think, oh God, I I don't really wasn't feeling that, you know. I wasn't I wasn't maybe walking strongly with the Lord during that period of time when you when things were falling apart, you know. I think we need to get back to our our roots, the back to the word um, when you're confused because this isn't confusion. This isn't confusion. He wrote this for for our instruction, <laughs> and I think sometimes the world just distorts that instruction. Um, so um, so just a funny analogy. Um, I like to do yard work at my house. Like, I don't know. I just like to do that. And, I, I, you know, I think I could probably do a little more than I think I could do. Rob don't think I could do some stuff that I think I could do. Um, but one time I was using these hedge clippers. <laughs> I'm doing the hedge. I'm thinking I'm doing a great job. I'm doing a great job. And all of a sudden I cut the cord <laughs> with the clippers. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just cut the cord, like, you know, I'm like, okay, like, so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there's going to be an explosion, is this going to be like, you know, fizzling out and everything, and then I'm like, uh, so then I, you know, let Rob know after a while, I, I don't usually like to tell him things like right in the middle of things, because he's usually like, why'd you do that, I knew you couldn't do that, you know you shouldn't do that, and, and all this stuff, so sometimes I kind of just like wait a little bit, you know, when I run into something or whatever with my car or whatever, I wait a, I wait a couple of days and let it kind of like think to myself, how am I going to tell them, you know, type deal. Um, because of the reaction, sometimes I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. Um, but in the analogy, you know, so now they make battery-powered clippers. So Rob has a couple of them. So now I get to use the battery ones that don't have a cord to cut my power supply off. So, and that's the same thing about a marriage. You know, without the Holy Spirit, you just cut the power supply. We don't have any power supply. So guess what? We're powerless. Um, and that, that's what I was like, the clippers, like, whoa, okay. I can't finish the job because I'm powerless. I don't have any power in the clippers to do the job. And I think sometimes, you know, just that, that funny analogy, you know, we need to be continued to the Holy Spirit. We have the power to live a selfless life and put our our needs, you know, our mate's needs in front of ours. How many people do that? That's a hard concept in this world because I think people, I mean, we've gotten to be a nation of selfishness. 
you know, that it's like, oh, look at me, or I, you know, I do all this stuff and they don't do anything, you know, and I mean, we need to get away from that. We need to get away from, you know, uh, you know, we're all equal in God's eyes. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't say that you're better than me and you're this. No, we're not like that. God doesn't look at us like that. So we go right into the roles of husband and wives. That's in Ephesians um, 5.22. Oh, well, well, here we go. I'll read this, and then I'll look at my note here. It says for, in 25, um, verse 5-25, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Um, so is in verse 21, the Holy Spirit speaking to yourselves in Psalms. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I already did that one. Hold on. See, I told you these glasses screw me up. <laughs> oh, let's see. Okay. Um, oh, okay. So if you're a spirit filled person and if you're a submitting person, they, they go hand in hand. So if you're spirit-filled, you're going to submit, right? Because you're an obedient person to God. You have somebody that you are, call higher than yourself. Um, so those things kind of work together. If you're spirit-filled, you're obedient. You're a submitting person. When you're not filled with the Spirit, it's really probably kind of hard to be to submitting to somebody, right? You don't have any boundaries. You don't have any, you don't have any no-nothing. Um, so I'm talking like, so they're talking about men here before, um, husbands and wives, both, both spouses are told to be submitting yourself to one another in the fear or reverence of God. The spiritual husband will put the needs of his wife above his own and the spiritual wife will put his needs, but the needs of her husband above her own. Um, everything has given us to hear as a result of being filled. What's it mean to submit? I, I, when you look at submit, what does submit think to you? What do you think when submit? Because I'll tell you, the world has really distorted this submit thing. I've read several different, different, uh, um, scriptures on this and kind of dodged into it. We don't like that word submit because I think sometimes submit people think about, oh, like slavery or controlling me. They're controlling me. Being, it's being taken advantage. You know, people say that when, you know, he doesn't own me. How many times have we heard that? You know, he thinks he owns me. But in reality, we are all to submit all day long to authority. You know, and that's the test. You know, we submit to authority all the time. So think about it. If you went down a one-way street or didn't stop at a stop sign, guess what? Do we have authority? Yes, the police are our authority. There is a chain of command of authority that, that we take every day and we don't even realize it, that, that, that we have a chain of command, you know, and, and the same thing with, with, our, um, with our husbands and wives. You know, God is our, our chain of command filled with the Spirit, and those things will be, be changed. Um, put the needs, let me see here, um, Put the needs of your mate above your own, and it means to get underneath and hold someone up. So if you're walking along, I love this analogy because honestly, I do have to say, and I didn't say this to Rob before I, I'm going to say it, so it's not bad. But anyways, so he uses this, and I thought it was so funny in this one excerpt I was reading. He said, you know, husbands, if you're walking alongside your wife and she has high heels on, what's going to be your response when she trips? And, and falls. <laughs> and I, I just thought this was funny because this has happened to us in our marriage. I'll be walking along and I'll, you know, twist my ankle and fall over or, or almost fall over. And, and 
And every time, I swear to God, Rob will say, I told you not to wear those shoes. Didn't you know you were going to fall on those shoes? <laughs> like, like, I'm like, well, that's not what I wanted to hear. You know, are y'all right? You know, help me pick me up. You know, give me a hand here. Like, you know, but, but when they, he said that, I just started chuckling because I'm like, we've had that many, many times, you know. Um, but, you know, women want to look cute. They want to be noticed by their husband, you know, or whatever. It don't go with flat shoes. I don't know, but... But, um, but I thought that was kind of funny, and a lot of you are chuckling probably because that happened to you too. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, it, he goes to say her, to steady her, do the same for him, wives, a husband, submission to his wife. Does it mean to um, negate his responsibilities of leadership in the home? It means that to help her bear the burden. You know, so many times I think, you know, they always say, you wait till your dad gets home, you're in trouble. How many people have said that to your kids? You wait, your dad gets home, you're in trouble. Guess what? It's okay, it's, it's okay for him to have the authority head in the house because he should. He should. But it, it also says that you're, you're parenting together. Like, we should train up a child the way they should go. And, and, I, and I, I disciplined our kids before Rob got home. But I, but I think sometimes, you know, when you say, your dad's coming home, he's going to, you know, whatever. But... It puts fear in kids, but if you ask my boys, and Isaac's sitting there laughing, I know it already, Isaac's laughing, who was harder on them, mom or dad, Is Huh? Mom. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, but it doesn't negate, and why I say that, it doesn't negate whatever situation's going on, you need to take care of it, right then and there, it's not, wait till your dad gets home. You know, your husband and wife, you share that role. You know, take care of the problem. Yes, confront your husband with it when he comes home. But a lot of times we need to um, work together, work together in that. And, um, um, you know, there's, there's four words that can transform your marriage. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, happy wife, happy life. Who thinks that? Four letters. I'm sorry, dear, I'll try next, you know, or try or whatever. Like, you know, like you can all think of words that, you know, just to kind of be funny. Uh, but Ephesians 5.25, it says, we can read them together. Um, love your uh, husbands, love your wives. Uh, let's, I tell you, I don't want, so the the husbands, it, it this affects each one of us, you know, because we're together, we're one. You know, so as we read, um, we just read 5 through 33. So this is where this is coming from. Love your wives just as the church loved the church. To sanctify her, to cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. Are you praying with your spouse? Are you, are you lifting up your spouse when they're having even a bad day? You know, are you asking, hey, how was your day today? Like, we get out of that. We get out of that. Even Rob and I do. You know, the busyness of life. You you forget those principles to do. But I but I as I was doing this for myself and for my my children. You know, it's a mom's heart to you know, like I said, have your kids have those godly relationships. But I'm thinking to myself, where have we stumbled? Where have we not done what I'm saying? Very saying right now. And, I mean, that was my conviction when I was doing this myself. You know, it's easy to do that when you don't have two and three and four kids in the busyness of life and two people working and you're coming home and running. That's easy to do when you're thinking about it. But you have to make those words intentional. You have to to do that daily. Um, um, Let's see. We went through all that. Hold on a second here. Um... Okay, so we need to have the wife, too, that respects her husband. You know, that's, that love and respect, I mean, many of you know that. Um, so if the husband, um, if the wife respects the husband, you know, that crazy cycle you get on, you know, if there's no respect and the husband doesn't love, there's no respect, and you just keep going and going and going, kind of like a chipmunk on a wheel, you know, you just keep going. Well, you know, that's a deadly cycle to get on. 
So we need to do our part, do our part. Um, and that's what we're called to do. Um, guys to love, women to respect. Um, sounds easy, though, but sometimes it's not. Four out of eight verses, men are told to simply love their wives and how we do that as Christ loved the church. Now, you, you might say, oh, that's a, that's a tall order. It is a tall order. I think it's hard, too. Um, most marriages are in trouble because men are unwilling to obey God's commands. You know, sometimes women are difficult because they don't do their part either. And, um, and then, obviously, we have those um, reconciling uh, differences um, that really don't warrant for a divorce because you, don't, you have differences. A lot of people think, oh, gosh, we can't agree on anything. We're just going to end this. And, um, you know, the thing is, is, is I want to read this one little thing. He talks about divorce. He said, in fact, he, this, this pastor, he turned it, it I'm still, I was still taking a couple excerpts out of this counseling. So this is his second thought on the counseling. In fact, when he turned to the husband, he says, the Bible tells you that you should love your wife as love, as Christ loved the church. The husband, yeah. I get that. Husband said, well, I can't do that, Pastor. All right, let's begin at a lower level, Pastor says. He says, um, the Bible also says to love your neighbor. As you love yourself, can you love your wife as much as you love your neighbor? Husband says, no, that's still too high of a level. I'm not sure. The pastor finally says, well, the Bible says love your enemies. Begin there. It's not really a joke. It's a, it's a point that he was making that commands the husbands to love your wife first. Now, of course, the word, obviously, in the word Paul uses when he writes the letters, um, he, he writes, God is love. How many can you agree? God is love. If you do not remember anything else in the scripture, you are taught that when you're two years old, you know, that God is love because he is. And what kind of love is that? It's agape, agape love. In John 3:16, he says, this is the true meaning of agape love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's the word agape. It's defined in Galatians 5 as well as fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. That's all the definition of the word agape. This means that the Christian man has access to that. Do, do, do you access it? We need to access it. Um, access is supernatural love. The non-believer does not have access to that. So they are powerless. They are powerless. Christian couple that separate or divorce due to those irreconciled differences, it's really not an acceptable meaning of divorce because you're just having differences that maybe you're not sure how you're going to make it through the differences, but there is hope. There is hope in the Lord. Um, I wanted to read here. Um, we're seeking to live by God's word. And doctor, he, he uses this analogy. Ed Wheaton has an excellent book. It's called Love Life. And um, this, this is the quote here. It says, the best of marriages, unlivable traits show up in both partners in every marriage. Sooner or later, a need arises that can only be met only by unconditional love. Agape is a kind of love we need in those situations. This love is the capacity to persist in the face of rejection. And to continue where there's no human response at all, it can leap over walls. So that agape love that God gives us, it casts out everything. It's a clean slate, per se. You know, love will cast out indoors, and we'll get into that here as we read here. Um, oh, I wanted to um, talk here um, that we are imperfect human beings. That's us. We need God. Self-problems, we don't look to Scripture. What do we do? We look to, look to songs or movies. How many, how many songs in our population today are about divorce or about relationships or about this or that? You know, 
We need to get back to the root of real love, which is agape love, and which is being filled by the, the Holy Spirit. Um, so agape is the kind of love we need for a marriage, and that lasts. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. Um, everybody knows this chapter um, uh, um, called the love chapter. <laughs> Um, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It's not a, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up and neither is God because he's love never loses faith. It nev- is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Um, you know, I do have to add this because this modern translation that he uses in that council, I just I picked three things out of that, that council. And after he, he said that, the modern translation, it, he, he says, listen, love never gives up, love cares more for others, and for self, love doesn't, want what it doesn't have love doesn't strut love doesn't have a swelled head it doesn't force itself on others it's always saying me first love doesn't fly off the handle love doesn't keep score of sins or others love doesn't rebel when others grovel love puts up with anything love trusts god always it always looks for the best it never looks back love keeps going to the end and that's well, that makes you think of things <laughs> and a perspective there. Um, Jesus is really the portrait here. He's what love, uh, love is what love practices, patience. It does not have kind, does not have kind feelings. It does kind things. You know, when Pastor Steve's been talking about offenses and forgiveness and, you know, how, how to treat one another, this kind of goes into that, that love. If you don't have the spirit of God in you, you, you won't have forgiveness. You won't have, you know, to be able to deal with offenses. I mean, it all goes together. It goes into that big umbrella. Um, the action of love, unconditionally loving, and undeserving and unresponsive love is the only love when it acts first. John 3.18 Let's us love, not in the word or in tongue, but in deed. It's the truth. This is how a husband is supposed to love his wife. So don't, don't let, you know, sometimes, you know, they try to tell people that they've tried everything, that their, their, their marriage is falling apart, that they're seeking counseling. Well, first of all, better be biblical counseling because you can get counseled by other people that think that they know everything and they don't. Um, we are a people of that, that people do that. But make sure if you do need counsel, it is biblical, um, you know, because when that's wrong, you won't overcome. Love doesn't conquer if you don't have God. He, he conquers all things. Um, try loving one another as God tells you to love. Um, pretty simple. I mean, I, I don't know why we make it so difficult sometimes. Um, you know, I, I think to myself, when you're looking for something or searching for something, you don't lose something and then say, oh, I lost that. I know I had it in the living room. I can't think of what I did with that. And then you're looking in your kitchen. You have to look in the right places for the right time. You know, you can't be looking somewhere else for the answers when, you know, you didn't lose what you're looking for in the living room, you know, something like that. So just think of that, like, where are we looking? Are we looking in the right places? Um, so number one, if you really love your wife, be patient with her. Love is long-tempered, a word, um, even to, to people that aren't married. Um, you know, it's patient, it's kind. And you know what? Wait on the Lord. He'll bring you somebody that will be perfect for you. Um, so don't rush it. God has a plan on that. Number two, love is patient. Oh, if you really love your wife, you'll show kindness and tenderness to her. In verse four, love is kind. Just as patience will take anything from others, kindness will give anything to others. If you love your wife as you want to, she will respond. You know, why are some Christians, why do you follow Jesus? The Bible says you love him because he first loved you, right? Love your God 
is a response to his love for you. Same is true in marriage. If husbands would just do their part and transform marriages, we wouldn't have the divorce rate that we have. You know, men need to go back to being head of the household. Pray for your wife. You know, do those things. And the wife, likewise, need to submit to their husband. Um, we need to focus on that. Um, and the, the result will definitely be different. You won't be a statistic. Um, and I said to Rob, I really didn't know what this, this analogy was. But if you treat your wife, um, it, it says if you treat your wife like a thoroughbred, you'll never end up with a nag. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm like, I know what a thoroughbred is, but I didn't know really what a nag was. So I said to Rob, I said, I was just wondering, am I thoroughbred or a nag? Like, I was wondering what one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I said, but I'm not sure really what nag is. You know, I mean, it wasn't the nag. I was thinking nag. So, well, you know, obviously I looked it up. It's a horse that is older in poor condition, you know. And, um, and so, but I thought that was kind of funny. You know, if you think of that, I'm thinking, well, geez, you know. Um, so, but when you're courting your wife, what did you do? What did you do when you dated somebody? You showered, didn't you? Jude showers when he goes see his friend. Um, Isaac maybe does once in a while. So good manners. Do you chew with your mouth open when you're with a girl? Probably not, right? Yeah. Do, do, you know, I know when I was dating Rob, you know, we'd go out to eat, and I thought, oh, God, I am so hungry. I just could I was so hungry. Like, I'd be like, eat this little little thing, you know, oh, I'll take the rest home. I'd go home, and I'm like, <laughs> I ate the whole thing, you know. And, uh, you know, but but how many times have we done that, you know? And, but, but we, we need to go back to those things. I mean, they're kind of funny now as we think of it, but we need to do those first things again, you know? What did you like about that person, you know? Um, but in Proverbs 31, um, and we're going to watch this not to do to your wife, um, just this little clip. I just think it's kind of funny, um, and then we'll, we'll finish up here. Did you get it? Huh? The Tim one? Yeah. Do you have it up? Yeah, the one we listened to. No, the one... Oh, my gosh. Maybe I'll turn it off and tell you. No. Things that don't tell your wife. Don't do to your wife. Are you asking me what it is? I'm confused. I'm not sure. <laughs> huh? Things that don't say. Huh? Oh, my gosh. I hope it's the one. New couples here? Brand new couples. Like brand new married couples here? I'm, I'm talking, really? How many, how many months you been married? Two. Two? What? <laughs> What are you doing here? <laughs> Did no one tell them? There's so many other things you could be doing. <laughs> Too much, you should be hand in hand frolicking in a field of flowers by, by the highway, singing each other's praises. You're my schmoopsie poopsie poopsie. You're God's love song to me. <laughs> I love you a million. I love you a zillion. What's that up ahead? Reality. <laughs> annoying all of a sudden. <laughs> you gotta stop talking. I don't know what's up with your feet. What is that? Why does your toe hook like that? I've never seen that. Looks like a twig with a sun chip on the end of it. <laughs> There's a revelation for you. Every dude's got that sharp toenail, man. <laughs> That's how we pick up our underwear. Stab it. Pick it up. Fling it in the laundry air. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Okay. I think he was supposed to cut it off before that last line, so. All right. Anyway. Okay.
Okay. So just a little fun on that, you know, in front of your, your, I think, you know, the thing is, is a, a lot of husbands, they need to compliment their wife. You know, we, we, we're in a society where if you don't compliment them, someone else will. I mean, no offense, they, they will. And, but that's just our, that's the flesh, that's the world. But compliment your wife, brag her up. Don't, you know, don't criticize her in front of people, you know. And likewise, likewise. Wives, don't criticize your husband in front of people. Like, I mean, and we've all been there. We've all done that. And I'm, I've done that myself. And I'll tell you, when I was reading this, I'm thinking, whew, this hurts. Because we do. We react. We say things that we shouldn't say at that time. And then, obviously, you can't take it back. You can't put the words back in the toothpaste tube, you know. Um, but anyways, um, so let's see. So, hold on a second here. Okay, I've got to figure out where I'm at now after that laugh. Oh. Okay. Okay, number three. If you love your wife, you will, you'll not boast of it to her, but just do it if your love, you love your wife, you won't boast of it to her. You'll just do it. In verse four, love does not parade itself. It means to strut. It's the idea of reminding your spouse of all the things you do for them and you realize how hard work you do to maintain the standard of living. You know, how many, how many times does, you know, you get in a spat, oh, I do this, I do this, I do this. If, you, if I didn't do this, you wouldn't have this and blah, 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 okay? We've all had that. We've all done that, whatever. Um, but that's, that is keeping no record of wrongs for sure here. Um, love doesn't brag about it. Number four, if you love your wife, you will show kindness, tenderness and, um, to her. Number five, love does not behave rudely. Some husbands would show more kindness. You know, I thought this was funny, um, which is so true. Some husbands will show kindness to others. Hey, this woman's coming in with a bag of groceries or going out of the grocery store, and they don't have automatic doors, of course, back then when this was written. You know, that they made the analogy that that husband would help another person. Would they help their wife that's carrying two kids and two sacks of groceries in their house, and they're hitting the door with their rear to get in? You know, so we really need to turn and see what, where we're at in life. Are, are we doing that in our own home first? That needs to be done in our own home. Um, so we need to, to, to turn things around here. Um, it's not saying don't help that person, but you should be doing that on a, a routine basis at home. Um, number five, if you love your wife, you will not heart, be harsh with her with words. Verse five, love is not provoked easily. This means to be roused or anger or sudden outburst. If you're screaming and yelling at your spouse, um, you know, in, in the Bible, I mean, I struggle with this too because everybody gets heated, and I swear to God, it's after a long day of work, you're tired for one, and you've just dealt with 10 people's problems. And then you go home and deal with another problem in your own home, in your own tent, and you're tired, and then you just fly off the handle. How many of we have been there? Everybody's done that? So Ephesians 4, 6 says, don't let the sun go down on You know, um, and there was another analogy out of that counseling. It said they asked the husband after, you know, uh, uh, there was a, another counsel. They've been married for 30 years, got over their rut. And, and uh, the, the pastor says to him, how's that look after 30 years? He goes, a lot of sleepless nights. <laughs> so he didn't let the sun go down on his wrath, you know, um, you know, that we're not supposed to let that fester and, and uh, talk it out. Number six, if you really love your wife, you'll believe the best, not the worst about her. You know, how many times do we do that? I mean, it's just, it's a fact. I mean, everyone does it. Women, husbands, wives, you know, we need to believe that the best in each one of our mates. Um, during an argument, you know, I remember, you know, 20 years ago, you did this and did this, did this. You know, love, it says right here that we just read, it keeps no records of wrongs, right? So those things are gone. They're under the blood. They're gone. Like, we don't need to regurgitate those things. Um, love doesn't do what love, uh, love forgets. Finally, love 
all things, that endures all things, that refuses to surrender. It will not stop believing. It keeps hoping. Love will simply not stop loving. You know, some friction comes in a marriage and one says, I'm going back to live with my mom. And, you know, it's just easy to just walk out. It's easy to just divorce, separate. You know, that's just in our vocabulary in this world instead of, of taking the hard road, taking those things that, that hurt and dealing with our inside, getting back to that spirit-filled life and having God at our, our foundation. Um, and we all get off the track. I mean, we've gotten off the track. I mean, several times our train is derailed. Yes, I mean, I've called, we've called Becky and Steve numerous times, and we've known them what I'll know a long time. And um, Kurt and Eileen used to do a class. I mean, hey, it's okay to be reminded. It's okay to, to get a kind of visual because, you know what, sometimes we look, um, you know, sometimes men don't express their feelings. They're, they kind of suppress them. They don't always say, hey, honey, you look nice today, or, or, you know, they have a hard time. They're thinking it. Rob will even say that. He goes, I was thinking it. I just didn't tell you you look nice today. Like, it's not a personal thing, but it's how men's minds work. You know, he, he knows that, but he has a hard time, you know, sometimes getting it out. And he's even said that. I mean, maybe you're in that case too sometimes. Uh, Corinthians 13.4, words that can change your marriage. Husbands, love your wives. And then um, the other thing that will always help your marriage is, I'm sorry. Sometimes, you know, you have to ask that person, will you forgive me? I was out of line. You know, not put up that wall and that stone wall and say, you know what? You did it. It's your problem. It's not mine. We, uh, there's a lot, you know, we've all done that. You know, or you crossed the line, um, or you said you sh- something you shouldn't have. Um, you know, apologize for that. You know, I got one more thing as I close here. Ruth Graham said a successful marriage is made up of, of two people, a person that learns to forgive, and you need to learn to forget. So men, it's time to do that. Women, it's time to do that. It's time to, to refocus. Maybe you've lost your foundation. Maybe you've been on sinking sand for a long time, but it's not too late. And those ones that aren't married, that are single, that are thinking of marriage, you know what? It's not too late. It's not too late, you know, to be with a person that loves the Lord. Your marriage will be, it's not going to be without flaw. It's not going to be without trouble. But you're going to have some kind of hope, somebody to look to, um, but God is called to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And he gave his self for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left of the glory of heaven, came to this earth voluntarily. He went to a cross. He loved you so much. And he died for you. And he rose again. And the grave was empty. He rose victorious. So that's our hope today. It's Jesus Christ. It's nothing you're going to do, you're going to do, you're going to do. Yes, Get alongside those people that build you up. You know, get to a church. Get to a body of believers that that know the Word of God. And if you don't know the Word of God, you know what? We're all willing to learn the Word of God. I don't know the whole Word of God. I'll be, you know, I've read this not whole way through. You know, I, I mean, we're all sponges. We all need each other. We need each other. Um. So we need to flex, we need to forgive, and we need to do it over and over again. It changes us. God uses it to make us to be more like Jesus. So as we pray here today, um, as I close, you know, if you don't know the Lord as your Lord and Savior, and you're like, wow, this is like way over my head. You know, maybe you're thinking to myself, oh my goodness, you know, um, what we read today in 1 Corinthians and Ephesians, it's pretty simple. God commands you to do it. It's hard. I agree. (laughs) We've been married, what, 29? 29 this year? 29 years. 29 years. Gosh, we were 16 years old, you know? Um, But, you know, there was rocks and bumps and breakups in there before we were married, you know? Um, But... 
there was a lot of things that went on, and, and you know what? And I'm so grateful because you know what? We didn't know God when we started dating, but we knew God before we were married. And, and the thing is, is that's what gets you through those weary days, is knowing that tomorrow's going to come, and you know what? Those things that you fought about yesterday are under the blood. They're okay. They're gone. Let's see, what, you know, what, how we're going to respond. But, but we're going to, as we get ready for communion, and um, Rob's going to come up, we're just going to bow our heads, and I'm just going to pray um, for each one's marriage today. And hopefully this message just encouraged you to have hope. If things aren't good in your marriage, if things are great in your marriage, praise the Lord. Because you know what? God is our hope. God is love. His love endures forever. There's nothing too great for our God. And I want to leave you with that today um, as we're, as we're going to pray. But if you, God says if you knock at the door, he will answer. And I feel like some people, you know what, maybe here, maybe listening, that they need to get back to the basics, back to the basics, the foundation. You know, yours has been shaky for a little while, and any little thing is going to take it over. Um, but we're here to let you know that we're a church that believes in the Word of God, and uh, God is hope. So let's just pray. Lord, we just praise you and thank you, God. We thank you for this message, Lord. And I know, Father God, I am not a perfect person, Lord, but I know that you, Father God, are. Lord, that you make all things new, Father God. Lord, that those old things are passed away. God, that they're under the blood of Jesus, Father God. All of our wrongs, all of our hurts, Lord, Father God. And you have good things in store for your people, Lord, and I just pray right now, Lord, that if there's one hurting this morning, if there's marriages that are on the rocks, that the, that warning light's on, Lord, that, that they're running on fumes, Lord Jesus, I pray that they get plugged in, Lord, to a church that loves them, a church that'll speak the truth, Lord, over them, Lord. And I just pray right now, Father God, for, for unity, Lord, and that, that relationship and that marriage, Lord. And we just pray, Father God, for these relationships of these young people, Father God, to have that foundation of you first, Lord Jesus. Lord, that everything will be added on to them, Lord. I just pray a continued filling of your spirit of the ones that, that call you their Father, Lord. And I just pray, Father God, that that spirit of the Lord oh, would just activate, that you would stir that up in each one's lives this morning, Lord. And if you don't know the Lord this morning, I just pray, Lord, that, that Father God, Lord, that there's a rededication. There's a saying, God, I need you. I acknowledge that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, for my very sin. And, Lord, I don't want to be that same person, Lord, but I want to be changed. Lord, I want to be like you. I want to have a husband that loves like you love your church. I want to be a wife that's submissive, submitting to her, to her husband, Lord. And Lord, I just praise you and thank you, Lord, that, that our offspring, our children, and generations to come will see that. Lord, that it's not an easy road, but Lord, it is a doable road. It is a tangible road with you, Jesus, being our foundation. Lord, that we can get through anything Lord, if we have you, Lord, strengthen those, Lord, that are weak today. Lord, and I just pray, Lord, as we do communion, Lord, that we would rededicate our lives, our love to you, Jesus. And we just thank you for all that you've done. And Lord, we thank you for this time together. In the name of Jesus, amen.